Welcome to At Home and Abroad with Harrison Walker. Join us each week as we explore the far reaches of the globe in search of unique characters and stories to share. Reach beyond your front door as we uncover new perspectives, intriguing ideas, and lessons learned over time. Let's jump in. In 2015, addiction disorder researchers from Nantes University and the affiliated hospital published a case study which involved a 45-year-old woman who they referred to as Helen. She claimed to have had a clairvoyance addiction, an addiction which was wreaking havoc with her pocketbook. Helen, who had a history of experiencing difficulties with making decisions, was 19 years of age when she sought the services of a fortune teller for the first time. This positive foray in the world of fortune-telling was the first of many similar consultations over the following years. It wasn't until she was 25, though, when her marriage began to fall apart at the seams that her dependence deepened. Helen communicated with a fortune-teller for as much as eight hours a day and sometimes as often as every day. Soon, Helen was also seeking information beyond the bigger life questions, relying on divination to help her make everyday decisions. Following a pattern similar to addiction to other behaviors, Helen found temporary relief and reassurance in her fortune-telling sessions, but swiftly her dependence led to social isolation, poor self-esteem, and a healthy debt. Regardless, Helen was convinced of her fortune-teller's ability to divine the future. Wow, that's quite a story. I would bet that Helen is not alone in her Mm. clairvoyant addiction. People struggle with uncertainty, especially when times are hard. Yeah, I agree. And I think we all have some degree of curiosity as to what might lay ahead. Mm -hmm. Astrology has been pretty mainstream for quite some time now, and tarot card reading has increased in popularity in recent years. It sure has. Tarot card reading used to be the material of thriller and supernatural films. But according to Lynn Araujo, an editor at Stanford's U.S. Game Systems, she reported in 2022 that tarot deck and oracle deck sales have doubled or tripled every year for the last decade. That's crazy growth. Not surprising, though. It's been a time, hasn't it, Harris? It sure has. No shortage of stress or uncertainty. Is that why you started reading tarot? I actually picked up my first deck when I was a teen, but I took a class online during the pandemic just to enhance my knowledge. And I took it from one of my favorite places in Toronto, the Rock Store. Do you know that place? Yeah, it's amazing. But I'm a super novice. The tarot does not tell the future, though. In my opinion, it's more of a guide. So that makes sense to me. Really, though we might be curious, recent studies indicate that most of us do not want to know what the future holds. I definitely do not want to know. Where's the fun in that? So you're with the majority, Harris. As high as 90% of us do not want to know about future negative events. Why worry if we don't have to, right? Right. And I definitely do not want to know anything about my death. No, (laughs) no, no way. When I was 19, I had my cards read and the death card was turned over. And even though the woman who was reading the cards reassured me that it didn't mean that I was going to die anytime soon, I have to say, I was convinced it was a bad sign. Yeah, it's not. I can assure you that the death card does not mean death, Walker. Well, I'm not worried about it now, but I did live under a dark cloud for a long time because of that reading. And every time I had some weird medical symptom... I thought of that death card. It probably brought Mm. a lot of unnecessary visits to the doctor. That's 
stinks. A lot of unnecessary worry for you. It certainly cured me from wanting another reading. I'd have to say that. In fact, I have no interest in knowing the future, happy or unhappy now. And apparently that is pretty common too. In fact, only 1% of one study's participants reported wanting to know everything about their futures, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, I think that would take a little bit of joy out of the spontaneity of living, knowing everything. I agree. Gerd Giggenzer, Director Emeritus at the Max Planck Institute for Human Development and one of the co-authors of the research, stated we live in a world where the idea is more information is always better and much of the technology, like big data and genetic screening, are all targets to catch the future so that the future becomes as certain as it can be. This research tries to show that maybe people don't want that. Wow, that's interesting. So ignorance is bliss. Well, apparently the participants' decision to not know the future reflects in the researchers' words their value to avoid the negative feelings that may arise from foreknowledge like Cassandra or to maintain surprise and joy in expectations. Cassandra being the character from Greek mythology who turned down Apollo's advances and was subsequently punished with Mm. the gift of prophecy. Her prophecies were supposedly always right, and yet nobody would believe her. That would not be good. No, it <laughs> To wouldn't. have the gift of prophecy, share it, and not be believed. Yeah. That is like having a superpower and then finding out it doesn't work when people are around. I know. That would be just <laughs> terrible. <laughs> anyway, despite all of that, I would be willing to bet that most people would want to know the winning lottery numbers, right? Uh, yeah, count <laughs> me in. Maybe we don't want to know all the details regarding our future, but maybe just some of the juicy details. So tell me, is there a difference between prophecy and divination? Well, there's a lot of conflicting and contradictory information out there. It's not exactly something that's been pinned down by science. Yet. So according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, divination is the art or practice that seeks to foresee or foretell future events or discover hidden knowledge, usually by the interpretation of omens or by the aid of supernatural powers. Prophecy is much the same to predict with assurance or on the basis of mystic knowledge. I would think that divination is a more general, all-encompassing term. Mm -hmm. Fortune-telling, for example, would be a subcategory of divination, which focuses on seeking out future events. Wanting supernatural guidance and direction is not a new phenomenon, of course. Right. In ancient Greece, for instance, the Pythia, a high priestess also known as the Oracle of Delphi at the Temple of Apollo, provided prophecies pertaining to many topics, including questions relating to war and other matters of importance. Yeah, I actually went there. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was super cool. It's set up on this like mountaintop mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's a pretty neat place to be. The approach was apparently very, very grand in its heyday because people from all walks of life from all over the realm would make donations to right. the oracles so that they could be privy to her predictions and wisdom. So it does go back in time. And of course, most have heard of the famous French astrologer and physician, Michel de Nostradamus, better yes. known to most as Nostradamus. I was totally fascinated by this guy as a kid. Were you? Uh, Do, had you heard of it? A little freaked out. Yeah, His definitely. name pops up every once in a while. Something terrible happens. I know, <laughs> right? In 1555, he published a book of predictions entitled Les Prophéties, mm. which were presented in quatrains, which are like rhyming four-lined verses. And he had remarkable accuracy. Many believe he accurately predicted the French Revolution, Hitler's rise to power, the assassination of JFK, September 11th's 
tragic events, and even today's war in Ukraine. Hmm. In his lifetime, though, he had his own fair share of trolls. His predictions were vague, missing specific dates and that kind of thing. So maybe they were kind of easy to massage to fit current events. Right, perhaps. So have you ever heard of Edgar Case? Can't say that I have. Okay, so Case was another interesting character. He was born in Kentucky in 1877, and Case was a clairvoyant. He was known as the sleeping prophet because he claimed that his subconscious mind was able to leave his body and gather information from the spirit world, enabling him to provide psychic readings while asleep or in some kind of trance. He would lie down, and while he was in his still state, he would answer questions that he was asked. So what could Case divine? Well, he supposedly was able to predict the cause for illness, like a medical intuitive. Mm -hmm. Many of his treatments, though, were holistic, like promoting water and clean eating. So for this reason, he's sometimes also called the father of holistic medicine. Sounds like he was a bit ahead of his time in many ways. Yeah, it does. But beyond that, he's also reported to have predicted the stock market crash and World War II. Case conducted 14,000 readings during his lifetime. Wow. So many seek a window into the future or just a shred of knowledge about the yet unknown. Mm -hmm. Apparently, there's a psychological basis for our interest in pursuing such information as well. According to David Ropeek, a retired Harvard University instructor and the author on the topic of risk and risk perception, uncertainty is one of the most powerful influences on fear. Mm. He states that the less we know, the more threatened we feel because lack of knowledge means we don't know what we need to know to protect ourselves, which equates to a lack of control over health, safety, life, and death. That makes so much sense to me. Mm -hmm. I totally get it. Anxiety is all about the fear of the unknown, right? And I would imagine that any kind of reassurance might be helpful. Lord knows there are umpteen forms of divination too, Walker. Mm -hmm. It's really about finding some sort of sense of control, right? Mm -hmm. But seeking answers through divination is not universally condoned or accepted, is it? Definitely not. But perhaps I think it's now more accepted than it used to be. Right. Divination is considered to be an occult practice, and the occult is perceived as a dark path by some, most notably organized religion. Mm. According to the Catholic Telegraph in the article, Question of Faith is Fortune-Telling Dangerous, the church does consider such behavior to be dangerous. The catechism states that all forms of divination are to be rejected, recourse to Satan or demons, conjuring up the dead, or other practices falsely supposed to unveil the future. Consulting horoscopes, astrology, palm reading, interpretation of omens and lots, the phenomena of clairvoyance and recourse to mediums all conceal a desire for power over time, history, and in the last analysis, other human beings, as well as a wish to conciliate hidden powers. They contradict the honor, respect, and loving fear that we owe to God alone. Well, their stance is pretty clear, isn't it? Yeah. And yet horoscopes, tea leaf reading, tarot readings, runes, and more are quite acceptable today. Not nearly as taboo now. As I said, I do read tarot and I have several oracle decks too. I've had my tea leaves read, coffee grounds read, and more. But one of my favorite follows is our next guest. Uh Oh, Chris Rack, who many of our listeners will know as the intuitive tarot reader of Minopon Tarot. Chris has a loyal following of over 800,000 subscribers on YouTube who tune in regularly for his readings. 
Chris also provides a masterclass in tarot reading, as well as a new offering, Dent Makers, a meticulously designed program that delivers practical tools and strategies for self-discovery and personal growth. Welcome to At Home and Abroad, Chris. I am so excited to talk to you today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, let's just get right into it. Now, would you be comfortable in sharing with us your own origin story? How did you arrive at this place of being this celebrity tarot reader? Yeah. Um, so I started, you know, years ago, long time ago, I think I was like four or five. Uh, my grandma told me, you know, she got me into astro- astrology. I always say it was her because she told me I was an Aquarius. Um, I'm actually a Pisces, but, um, you know, that's kind of like how it started. I've always been into weird stuff too. So, you know, I think that kickstarted it. I was pretty young, probably, you know, since I was like 10, at least I've been into astrology, um, got into tarot, got into, um, then from there, I actually transitioned from tarot to playing cards. So when I started my channel, I was doing uh, playing cards. I was, um, you know, in a period of my life, I mean, we can definitely talk about it where I was stuck for a long time. And um, I was listening to Coast to Coast AM, which is like, you know, a kind of a, uh, paranormal radio station and they always had this guy on who was always reading uh playing cards so uh, i became obsessed with that at that time and um then you know since i was stuck my mom uh you know long story short one day came into my room and she was like hey why don't you read cards on youtube and that's kind of how it started i started that day you gotta always you know give credit to the moms yeah they can see the talent mom and grandma (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. there you go. The wise women in your family. Definitely. That's so interesting that you started with playing cards. Is that actually maybe an origin of where tarot cards came from? Yeah, there is a belief that um, playing cards was like 14th century. Tarot cards were like 15th century. So it was, you know, kind of just the next century over. Um, You know, I I don't actually know what the truth is. Um, You know, and and tarot is really old. So, you know, tarot was just a game before it became tarot. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so uh, who knows, really? I know. It's all kind of lost to the mysteries of time, right? It is. So I am personally a big fan. I have to disclose that for (laughs) our listeners out there, a huge, huge fan, uh, as are members of my family as well. So I know that you read with multiple decks. Do you use both Oracle and tarot cards? And what's the difference between those two? Yeah, so I use both. Um, tarot, I look at as more as, you know, tarot is kind of like a concrete system, even though uh, I don't, you know, necessarily follow all the rules. But, um, you know, tarot has kind of its designated meanings. Oracle cards are, you know, whatever the artist who creates an oral, oracle deck, they come up with the the meanings for the cards. Right. Okay. And you also describe yourself as an intuitive tarot reader. What does that mean? Yeah, so I don't really try to control the message. Um, you know, again, tarot, you can read it, like, follow exactly what each card means. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I, re- I say I read intuitively, so sometimes something will come out and, you know, maybe it has a you know, tarot meaning, but it means something different to me in, the, in that moment. Mm-hmm. So you're getting different, whether it's sensations or images or something while you're doing a reading for whatever astrological sign. Yeah, I consider what I do kind of channeling. So I just always say I get out of my way. Um, you know, it's it's kind of hard to describe. I don't like necessarily see anything, hear anything. I just, uh, whatever comes out of my mouth comes out of my mouth. So right. it's more of a just, I kind of release. Yeah. And I have to say, having watched several of your videos on YouTube, it it does come across like that. The, the messages are much deeper, I would say, or have a wider breadth than than other readers that I've experienced. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Some people believe that tarot 
can predict the future or they look to it for very concrete guidance. What's your feeling on this? Uh, no, no. To answer your question, I don't think that it does uh, really predict the future. I think it does have, you know, there will be things that come up that you could say are, you know, future predictions. Um, but to me, it's more guidance. You know, I think it's mm -hmm. energy to work with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, your offering is so skilled in that way. And you often say, you know, take it for what it is. Apply it to your life and find the guidance that might apply to you, to you personally. So the second piece of that is, does tarot influence your own life and your own strategies in business or love or... Yeah, so I don't read for myself. Um, you know, if uh, just the way I learned how to read, I don't. So I don't have like you know. People always ask like, can I read for myself? I always say, if if you want to, you know. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Just um, you know, the first few books that I read said don't do it. So um, you know, I've always just stuck with that. Um, but I definitely follow my intuition with everything else. I always regret it if I you know if I feel something and I don't follow it in business and love whatever. Uh, I always regret it later. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah, it's powerful. Intuition is powerful. So Chris, I, Heather actually got me hooked on your readings. And what I love about your readings is how very positive and practical they are. Though you must have trolls with your level of visibility and popularity with the public now. What's your most outrageous feedback or comment that you've ever had? I really haven't, you know, surprisingly, I haven't had anything. I thought about this question and I haven't had anything like super outrageous. I've, de I mean, I definitely get my fair share of just the typical, you know, you're a scammer and, um, you know, all that stuff. But I can't think of like one thing that has really um, shocked me, you know? Oh, well, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, right. It, it is absolutely a good thing. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, can you tell us a little bit about Dent Makers? This is a new course you're offering, correct? Yeah, so uh, Dent Makers is about making your dent in the universe. It's really, yeah. um, you know, again, like I said, I was stuck for so, so long. I don't want anyone to have to go through that. I was stuck for four years of my life. Wow. It doesn't sound like a long time, but... Four years is a long time for sure. Yeah, it's a long time. Yeah. And I was just sitting in my room staring at a wall. So oh. <laughs> it, it was like the worst. Um, so it's all about making your dent. You know, most most uh, courses that talk about like coming up with your purpose, for example, they just say, this is your purpose. But dent makers is more like this is the dent you want to make and this is how you know what you can do once you discover it so it kind of takes it one step further well i think your listeners would be pleased to know that if they're experiencing that they're not alone right yeah definitely there are programs out there and this sounds really quite interesting and an option for people to look into so it sounds like you're a constantly evolving force what can your followers look forward to next yeah, so Dent Makers, I'm also, uh, so Dent Makers, I'm, I'm turning into a brand. So uh, it's not going to just be the course. I'm creating uh, interviews, content, and also I want to create um, kind of like a knowledge network uh, um, with Dent Makers. So uh, talking to other Dent Makers where they can talk about how they made their dent and, oh. you know, kind of giving people a place to uh, find guidance. Well, it sounds like a community then. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a community. Wow, we could all do it a little bit more of that then. And so yeah. uh, when do you expect the timeline for that to happen? Uh I think we decided today, November 7th. Oh, so, uh, there we go. <laughs> just kind of, I was, I was on a call before this call and, uh, you know, I've uh, been putting this all together. So no, it might be November the 7th. I don't want to talk okay. too soon, but apparently that's the day I have to, I have to do this. So yeah. We'll be looking for it. We'll be looking for yeah. it, Chris. That's amazing. So it's not written in stone, but it's definitely on the horizon then. Yeah, it is very, very close. Yeah. Yeah. I've been working on this for over like a year now. So <laughs> it's been a long process. 
Is Dentmakers influenced by your work as a tarot reader? Yeah, so like, um, so a little bit because, I'll, you know, pretty much I, that's what I like to talk about in my tarot readings. I'm, I'm not like that big on love or, you know, anything mm-hmm. like that. I think that when people have like a dent or, you know, feel like they're in purpose, all, all that other stuff falls into place. You know, love, money. It's like when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, then you really don't have to worry about, you know, all that stuff, right? Exactly. Exactly. And that is that is a message that comes across loud and clear. Yeah, that's a message I want to deliver for sure. Well, for our listeners, if you're interested in following Chris and learning more of the magic he weaves into his intuitive readings, you can follow him on YouTube at at Minopontero or subscribe to his newsletter at www.winningpond.com. Thanks so much, Chris. Thank you. I love Chris. He pulls no punches Mm -hmm. and his readings are so packed full of insight. It's no wonder he's so popular now. Yeah, he's super approachable and normal. Gone are the days that you have to visit some sketchy shop with a crystal ball in the window. I will say right off the bat, I don't go there. I won't go there. They make me nervous. I know. I think you should just best stick to Minnow Pond. (laughs) But perhaps you might be interested in some other form of divination too, Walker. What about scrying or divination by throwing grains of corn? Tell me first and I'll let you know. Okay. Well, reflection divination is said to be one of the oldest forms of divination and it's known as scrying. It entails gaining insights about the future by looking at reflective surfaces of oil or maybe water, shiny stones like obsidian, or even mirrors. Mm. And I think you can also scry in flames too. Hmm. And grain divination also has a long history among indigenous people of Mexico who predict the future by tossing grains of corn. And then that pattern is interpreted. Many indigenous groups in Mexico practice this divinatory art today, though there are variations on how it's carried out. Kernels might be thrown with seeds, crystals, and even archaeological artifacts, often onto a white background. Mm. And then those patterns cast can give insight to the people regarding disease, the location of lost objects, and all other manner of things. Now, using corn for this purpose makes sense as it's readily available. Yeah, cultures seem to have implemented what they had at hand. And it's probably why sand divination is performed in the Middle East and in Africa. Sand divination or geomancy involves interpreting patterns in the sand. Those that take part in sand divination believe that there's a vital energy in the earth when the sand is tossed. Well, it's interesting how many forms of divination require interpreting some aspect of the natural world. Mm -hmm. Like the reading of tea leaves, also known as tessiography, tea leaf readers gather information about the future based on the manner in which tea leaves create patterns in your cup. Mm -hmm. So what did your tea leaf reading bring to light, Harris? Well, actually, all of my readings like that have uncovered one common element. Which is? They tell me that I'm surrounded by angels. Are you calling me an angel? I sure <laughs> am. I sure am, Walker. <laughs> Some say I'm surrounded by guardian spirits. Either way, it always seems to be a crowded room when I'm face-to-face with a reader. <laughs> a party. I know. And truthfully, it's rather comforting. But don't forget the wine walker. We right. can also read wine sediments too, yes. which is kind of similar to, to tea leaf reading. <laughs> and we haven't yet mentioned a very popular form of divination, which is the use of the pendulum. Yes. Yeah. This practice is gaining in popularity too, I think, because I am seeing crystal pendulums everywhere. Pendulum work is associated with the directional pattern a crystal or stone takes based on the instruction of the user. Hmm. So questions are answered usually on a yes or no basis, depending on what pattern the pendulum swings. So you've done this before, correct? Yeah, I have a rose quartz pendulum. 
So it sort of reminds me of when you go to a baby shower and they swing the needle over the woman's Mm -hmm. pregnant belly in order to determine if the baby is going to be a boy or a girl and the needle swings sideways or in a circle, that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's very, very similar, actually. And as with most things related to divination, there's a process involved. I would recommend approaching this exercise in a quiet space, relaxed, have a clear mind. And you have to first establish what direction means yes and what direction means no. And when you're ready, ask your question. Make sure it can be answered with a yes or no answer, and then just let it do its thing. Neat. I might try that. Yeah. Not scary. Not at all scary. (laughs) Now, I know we're talking divination and telling the future here, Harris, but I quite fancy psychometry. Oh, is that object reading? Exactly. Cool. You are always heading into the past there, Walker. (laughs) Yes, I guess I am. I don't want to get all witchy here, but I'm one of those people who believes that our energy imprints on objects. Like for instance, I feel that a house takes on the energy based on whether the people who lived there were really happy or not. I totally believe the same thing. And we have seen enough houses to know. (laughs) Right. I recently read an article by Stephen Wagner, which describes the process of psychometry. The idea is really quite interesting. He explained that the psychometrist, who is the person who can perform this act, can pick up on the history of an article. He gave an example of an antique glove. He was able to relate information about the person who owned it and even the experience which the person had while they had the glove in their possession. And get this, how they died. Whoa. Apparently, they pick up on the emotional energy of the person to whom the object belonged. Wow, that is super cool. That might come in handy with your archaeology there, Walker. I know. So, want to try it? Really? (laughs) I can walk you through the process, and I just so happen to have an object here. Oh, my God. This is so (laughs) fun, Walker. Let's do it. Okay, the studio is pretty quiet and distraction-free, so I think we're good here. Okay, check. Okay, Harris, sit with your eyes closed and sit quietly with your hands in your lap, palms up, and make sure you're super relaxed. Now keep your eyes closed, and I'm going to place something in your hands without saying anything. Apparently, it works better if the seated person doesn't know who's giving the object to them, but we'll skip that. Yeah. Now, I've owned this object for quite some time. Here it is. Okay. Okay, I'll try not to bump my microphone. The key is to remain still as images and feelings that enter your mind. Say them out loud. Don't think about what it could be. Just state what you're sensing, what you're seeing, what you're hearing, or what you're feeling. And lastly, don't interpret what you're sensing. Okay. The item will have the meaning to me, not to you. Okay. So the first thing that I felt was that it was an older woman with short, curly hair. Um. And something, I don't know, something domestic, like being in the kitchen or something family-oriented. Um, I think whoever owned this has passed on. I don't know. And fields. I don't know. Weird. Am I close? Well, <laughs> open your eyes. <laughs> What is it? Uh, okay, okay, so let's so describe it. This for is our really listeners. interesting. So this is like a headscarf. It's kind of like a square handkerchief 
with pink and green, like a grid pattern on it. So this was given to me 20 something, 21, 22 years ago. Okay. When I was in the city or the town of Thiva, when I was doing my doctoral research and it was really stinking hot out yeah. and I was studying pottery and the old women who were cleaning the pottery. Get out. Yes. They didn't like the fact that I was underestimating the power of the sun. And they were really concerned that I was going to get heat stroke. So they forced me to put this on my head. And so these old ladies, many of them were old. And I think it was specifically an older woman who gave me this. um, They would, I think there was like a little kitchen set up there where they were cleaning pottery too. They used to bring me coffee every morning from their little you are totally freaking me out. me a cafe au lait every morning and put flowers on my desk. So this is my memory of my moment while I was in Greece doing my research. Oh my God, that's And I crazy. think of this woman who gave it to me every time. I keep it in my drawer and I think about it all the time. Oh, did she have shorter curly hair? Probably. I mean- Usually older ago. Greek ladies do. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> so I don't know it was about pretty the curly bit, but definitely it was shorter. And there was a whole bunch of women, like a very, a circle of women. Wow. But there was one woman in particular and she didn't speak English and she just kept forcing and pointing to my head and for me to put it on. Oh, she's there looking you go. Oh my God. That's so crazy. <laughs> well, you know what? I have to say, Harris, you did pretty darn good. It takes practice. And, you know, apparently hot shots in the field are only 80 to 90% accurate. Wow. But you were pretty great there. That's kind of <laughs> crazy. I'm a little freaked out. Well, All right. if psychometry isn't your thing, have no fear though. There are other forms of divination you can try your hand at. Okay. What about capnomancy? Hmm. It involves looking at smoke patterns for insight. Have you ever tried that at the cottage when you're making s'mores? No, but I'm certainly going to be thinking about it now. And while you're enjoying the outdoors, you can also try xylomancy. Okay. Give it a go. This involves looking for messages by examining the appearance of twigs. Side note here, supposedly it was taught at Hogwarts. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's amazing. If only I could go to Hogwarts, I Walker. Know, right? As it's pretty common to use items from the natural world in divination, it isn't surprising animals and particularly how they move figure largely in divination. It's called zoomancy. Yeah, I think I've heard something like this of readers who look at birds in their flight patterns. Mm-hmm. That's called ornithomancy, right? Yeah. Well, that's a mouthful. It sure was. <laughs> one last one here. This one's for you. Do you know what tyromancy is? No. Well, according to Occultopedia, it's a practice of divining the past, the present, and the future by interpreting omens found in cheese. No. Yeah. I read that the practice goes back to the Middle Ages. And for those who took part in the practice, a number of holes, molds, smell of the cheese could be interpreted in various ways. Oh my God. Seriously? (laughs) I don't think my cheese lasts long enough for me to do any readings with it. But I wonder what my feta is telling me right now, Walker. I wonder. (laughs) So what do you think? Do you think there's any truth to divination or is it all just fooey in your opinion? Jury's out, Harris. Most often than not, the scientific community does not put a lot of credence in the information gathered from divination. Mm. It's felt that the information is often vague and can be interpreted in a number of ways by the client. Non-believers point out that people may be so desperate for direction that they're eager to believe. Perhaps, but I think that's also the beauty of it, Mm. right? It's the 
personal interpretation, and maybe it just uncovers our own intuition of our next best steps. Dr. Paul Thagard, in his article, Should You Believe in Psychics?, states that people are inclined to accept beliefs on the basis of personal goals what they want to believe rather than on reliable evidence. This is what he refers to as a mental error or what psychologists call motivated reasoning. We want to believe what we want to believe. You got that right. This brings to mind the infamous Maria Duval scam. Mm. Have you heard of this? I hadn't before the show. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Fraudsters using Maria Duval's name, who was a celebrated psychic in the 70s, swindled the hopeful out of $200 million. Wow. The scam involved personal handwritten letters promising psychic help at 40 bucks a pop. They were so effective, these letters, because they included personal details such as people's names, ages, and where they lived. And they were also signed by celebrity psychics like Ms. Duval. That urge to uncover the unknown can be a vulnerability. It sure can. According to a major CNN investigation, the number of Americans alone affected by this scam was about 1.14 million people. Wow. Apparently, it was a Canadian man, Patrice Runner, who was ultimately convicted of operating the scheme, and four others, two Canadians and two Americans, pleaded guilty to being involved as well, which is so nasty. It seemed easy, I guess, to them to hoodwink people at a distance via the mail. You're right on the mark with your intuition there, Harris. Remember those researchers from Nantes University? Mm. They stated that one risk factor associated with fortune-telling addiction was the anonymity associated with online services. There you go. I'm so smart, Walker. (laughs) Psychic even, perhaps. (laughs) They also noted that online services offered greater accessibility and availability, which is not a good thing for the vulnerable. And online services make it much easier to spend money. Oh, don't I know the truth of that. (laughs) Like online gambling, right? Yes. But psychics are often consulted to assist with police investigations, aren't they? Outlining the past, present, and future events associated with criminal activity. Yes, they are. Sometimes they're referred to as psychic detectives. The reaction to them is mixed, though. Although grieving families clearly want to use every tool available in order to solve a case concerning their loved ones. Of course. It's really quite a wonderful thing when cold cases can be solved this way, when all hope seems to have been lost. Mm-hmm. I read that the CIA conducted a study focused on determining how legitimate mediums can be in solving cases. Supposedly, 8 out of 11 officers from different agencies claimed a psychic offered them information they would not have known about. So what's the problem? Well, I also read conflicting opinions on this topic, according to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, on the use of psychics in homicide and missing persons investigations. The success rate of psychic detectives is inflated in the media, Mm. contrary to what is indicated by independent study groups and peer-reviewed academic journals. Apparently, the success rate of psychics is not as high as we thought. Their tips were described as almost always vague and open to interpretation. It was noted that hiring a psychic detective is typically a political choice to ensure that the loved ones of the victims are satisfied. Yeah, like all those psychic detective things on unsolved mysteries Mm -hmm. and whatnot, right? I could see that there could be a potential to waste time and resources or even confuse the investigation or even more terribly 
upset the loved ones involved. Ultimately, the work of a psychic, a tarot reader, or anyone practicing a divination technique is only as reliable as the reader themselves. And perhaps the person seeking their services, too. Yeah, that's an important point. Are you hoping that tarot makes the decision for you, or are you hoping for greater insight? Well, in her article, Beyond Fortune Telling, Reading Tarot for Self-Knowledge and Personal Development, Claire Burgess states that when we pull tarot cards and read them, what we're really doing on some levels, reflecting on our lives and how they match up with our desires. In doing so, we incorporate our personal mythologies, our stories of self, and all the data from our past in order to help us understand the present. From this vantage point, we can then see our likely trajectory based on our habits and patterns, our strengths and weaknesses, our actions and inaction or decisions. The tarot helps us access these insights so we can decide to change, grow, accelerate, pause, whatever it takes to shift our past for our betterment. I completely agree. Instead of choosing your future for you, they function as more of a lantern to light the path, providing some insight into this journey. An important distinction. On this note, my lantern is revealing that we have reached the end of our chat today, Harris. (laughs) Should we turn a card to find out, Walker? (laughs) Thank you for joining us at At Home and Abroad with your host, Harrison Walker. If you enjoyed this episode, we would really appreciate it if you would rate and review our show. It helps us grow and expand our reach. Subscribe to follow us each week as we continue the conversation. You can also say hi to us on Instagram at at Harrison Walker. We would love to hear from you.